Do you think God knows how you feel? Now, don't just answer that, oh, well, you know, I mean, God's God. He can, he can do anything, and he knows everything. That's not what I asked you. Do you think he really understands you? You know, knowing somebody and understanding somebody are two different things. And to really understand somebody, to really love somebody, you need to get down to a level where you talk about and appreciate their feelings. You think God understands you? Then there would be that, well, a psychologist or a psychiatrist can understand my feelings when I share them. Do you think he cares? <laughs> I mean, really? At the end of the day, when they go home and they have their family and their children, their life, their other, I, I mean, are they thinking about you? Are they, are they still caring with a love that embraces and holds. So does God truly understand what I'm feeling and the pain I'm experiencing? Is he close or is he watching from afar? When we're faced with life events that shake us to our core, challenging even what we believe, even our faith, we must remember these four things. Number one, our emotions, all of them, even the ability to question, to doubt, to cry out, were created by God. He is the author of all we are and who we are. All of this is meant to bring us closer. Oh, no, no, wrong. Bad, actually, very bad theology. All of this is meant to deepen our awareness of him. You can't get closer to God. We try. We work pretty hard at it. That's probably the number one thing that people tell me when we strike up a conversation about spiritual things. Well, I'm trying to get closer to God, and then inevitably a, a list, a short list of things we need to do to sort of get his approval or to bring him closer. You can't get closer. We can increase awareness. We can peel back layers of the onion that are covering over. He is here now. He is present. He's not in this building unless we're here. 
he's here in this gathering because you brought him. And then there's that something that happens when we gather, where two or more are gathered in his presence. Jesus said, I'm there in a special revealing. So in this first one, okay, four things I'm going to give you so that you can deal with the deep, deep questioning and challenges to your faith. Number one, all your emotions were given to you by God. They were created by Him. How do I know that? Number one, you were formed by God. Scripture says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. You are wonderfully made by him. Psalm 139, 13, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Who gave you those emotions? Who gave you the ability to think, to feel, to care, to love, to reach, to belong, be excited, yes, even to be fearful, to be challenged, to cry out. And finally, you're his workmanship. Paul wrote, we are engineered by his design. He molded and manufactured us in Christ. We're his workmanship, his poetry. We're, we're the evidence and likeness of everything he is and does. So all your feelings, number one, all your feelings are created by him. Number two, God is present in your feelings. He doesn't leave you when you're mad. He doesn't leave you when you're sad. He doesn't leave you when you're troubled. He doesn't leave you when you're concerned, wrestling with life. Feelings are not an alien appendage separate from God's presence. He's involved and inhabits all of me, including all of my mind, and my, quote, heart, all my feelings. David speaks of how attentive God is in our distress in the Psalms. Psalm 139, for instance, watch this. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol or hell, you're there you are. If I take the wings of the morning, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. See, hell is an eternal conscious torment. Hell is what you and I sometimes are going through in our bodies and our minds. That's torment. And it feels like God is not there, but he is. God is in your hell. David says again in Psalm 34, The Lord is near to me. He's near to all who are brokenhearted. And he saves the crushed 
in spirit. I mean, when you are crushed, when you're wrestling with life, when you're going through it, when you want to give up, God is in the middle of that. And there's nothing you can do to bring him closer. You can become more aware, but you can't get closer. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. So number one, your emotions, all of them are created by God. Number two, God is present in your feelings. Number three, God values your feelings. If he didn't, Jesus would not have been verbal and expressive with his own feelings. Jesus wept with those who experienced loss. He comforted many with compassion and consideration. In fact, Jesus' first and arguably his greatest sermon addresses many emotions and reflects on them positively, such as, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Paul the Apostle echoes this same emotional expression when he says in Romans 12, verse 15, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Notice, it does not say get to the bottom of what's wrong, feed them some scriptures on how they have the victory and shouldn't feel this way, and then show them how to overcome. He says you, you climb into that with them. You don't truly love until you feel and you don't share how much you care until instead of trying to correct it all, you're willing to bear it with. That's what Jesus did. He bore it with. He comes alongside us. Number four, God invites me to be vulnerable with my feelings. David again in the Psalms. Psalm 25, verse 16 and 17, he says this, Turn yourself to me and have mercy on me. He's praying. For I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Look, look how he's praying. Turn yourself to me. He, he's being very specific. I need to see you. I need to hear you right now. Turn yourself to me, Lord. He says, have mercy on me. He's asking for something specific. For I am desolate and afflicted. Again, he's giving definition to his feelings. He's being specific. And he's opening himself up and being vulnerable with the way that he feels and the trouble that he's having. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Man, I'm dealing with something here. And it's gone on for a while. I need you, Lord, to look at this with me. I need you to come into this with me. God is asking us to come to him with our emotions. Talk to him in specific language about your emotions. Describe them to him. Describe how you feel. Don't pray these general prayers by rote. I 
almost said it doesn't interest him. Everything about you interests him. But it's beneath you. It's beneath you to only prayer, prayer, pray prayers that are memorized or, or that you think will somehow get God to change his mind or perform instead of just telling him and describing him specifically. I remember it was either this week or the week before I did something banged my, it wasn't like with a hammer, but I caught my hand or ripped something towards it. It hurt. It hurt bad. <laughs> I said, damn. I said, Lord, I'm mad as hell. <laughs> I said that out loud. That makes me mad as hell. The deepest and most life-changing experience that you can have with Jesus is to trust him with what we don't understand and the triggers which bring these feelings that we're having. Before I open it up for questions, I want to point you to a very well-known story in the Gospel of John. It's about a family of three. There's two girls and a guy. And the guy is named Lazarus. And he has two sisters, Mary and Martha. Remember sort of that family? Lazarus gets sick really sick, like near-to-death sick. And everybody in the town knows Jesus can take care of that. He's done lots of miracles, and they've all seen it. And so they send people to call for Jesus to come. He's two days away from where Lazarus is lying in this condition. Jesus, come, quickly, Lazarus. He's very, very sick. He's near to death. Come, raise him. And Jesus stays where he is two days away for a couple of more days. <laughs> now that would make you mad as hell. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't, it, wouldn't that make you question? Where was it? So we pick up this story now in verse 17 of John chapter 11. Now when they arrived at Bethany, which was only about two miles from Jerusalem, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So Jesus waited where he was, and then by the time he did get to Bethany, Lazarus had already been in the grave four days. Whoops. <laughs> so much for a loving God. Many friends of Mary and Martha had come from the region to console them over the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was approaching the village, watch, she went out to meet him, but Mary, her sister, stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, 
Lord, if only you had come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. Now watch, because she's expressing her emotions in just a, a little bit, but, but not really much. Now she's going to head for the theology. She's going to go to church with Jesus. She's going to pray the prayer. She's going to go to church. She's going to talk about how it should have been and what Jesus could have done. And Watch. If you had come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that if you were to ask God for anything, he would do it for you, Jesus replied to her. Your brother will rise and live. She replied, yes, I know he will rise with everyone else on the resurrection day. See, she's getting religious. She's going there. She went to church. She's got all the answers. She's thinking theology now. She's not even on the emotion now of Lazarus being dead. She switches over and wants to do church and talk scriptures. <laughs> oh, come on. Have we not been there in our trouble? Martha, you don't have to wait until then. I am the resurrection. Not I can raise him. I am. Don't need to go somewhere to get it. I just am. And I am eternal life. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, He's going to live forever. See, God, lo God looks at life and death a little bit differently than we do. God looks at our problems differently than we do, but he cares. He wants you to describe them. He wants to know the emotions, get de detailed with him. But in that, he brings immediately, just because he is, resurrection and life. He can turn it all around. He's bigger than all of it. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Then Martha replies, yes, Lord, I do. I've always believed that you are the anointed one, the son of God, who's coming to the world for... <laughs> Does this sound like some of the conversations you've had with people? So when Mary, now this is the sister who's still back at the house, heard this, she quickly went off to find him, for Jesus was lingering outside the village at the same spot where Martha had met him. Look, watch the difference. Now, when Mary's friends who were comforting her, notice how quickly she ran out of the house, they followed her, assuming that she was going to the tomb of her brother to mourn. When Mary finally found Jesus outside of the village, watch, watch, she fell at his feet in tears. Martha did not do that. And she said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Period. She's admitting the grief. She's a little perturbed. She's entertaining her anger and her doubt. But she drops it. No religious conversation. Doesn't want to go there just leaves it. When Jesus looked at Mary, and saw her weeping at his feet, and all her friends who were with her grieving, he shuddered with emotion. 
and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. And he said, where did you bury him? Lord, come with us and we'll show you, they replied. Then tears streamed down Jesus' face. Passion Translation, John chapter 11, verses 17 through 35. That is the shortest verse in all of the Bible if you're reading from the King James translation. It simply says, Jesus wept. Please do yourself a favor and don't just read King James translation. <laughs> it falls so short of the expression of what's really going on in our, our, our life and in their lives. Then tears streamed down Jesus' face. You know why? Because God gets you. God cares about your feelings. One statement, Lord, if you had been here, one statement gets and devolves into a religious conversation, wanting to go to church and pull down scripture. The other conversation simply expresses the feelings and the doubt but leaves it all at Jesus' feet. And what does Jesus do? He climbs into your darkness with you. And he says, I care. I love you. Does God understand me? Oh, better than you know. Not only does he understand you, but he cares about everything you're feeling. Now let's talk about this. Have you ever felt like God doesn't care? Have you ever felt like God doesn't understand? Is there something you're presently experiencing or have experienced where it felt like God was a long ways away. We have a microphone for the conversation in here. We're monitoring the chat. We're opening it up. Okay. So as you started talking about God and his presence and so forth, one of the things that came again to my mind, and I'm looking it up so I can get it right, um, that is that we are created in God's image. And this includes our ability to choose, including both good and bad, right or wrong, righteous or evil. And God experiences all of the same feelings and emotions that we do because we are of his image. And I believe that that includes everything all of us include, okay? One of the things you said, God climbs into our, God climbs into our feelings. Our brokenness, our darkness. He doesn't have to climb into them. He's already there. Yes. Okay? He, he knows what we're going to feel probably before we even feel it. And it's, it's for me, it's like God is everywhere all at once and feels everything that everyone feels 
and knows everything that everyone knows. Great comment. Others? Does God know how you feel? Um, I have one. I think uh, I'm kind of reminded of, um, there's a scripture verse that says God is close to the humble but opposes the proud. Um, and I, I mean, I don't know what that exactly means and what interpretation opposes. Does he, does he hold you away? We, we know that he's part of you, so I don't know exactly the theology behind that. But it's really striking to see the two different people come to him, Mary and Martha. And both of them say the same thing initially. Say the same thing. But it came in a different spirit. One of them was, was angry. One of them was proud, tried to argue with Jesus. And the other one was just broken. And which one of them did Jesus respond to? And the, the, there's a piece of all of that that is so real to all of us because there's nothing wrong with Martha's emotion, and we all feel that emotion. emotion. I feel it pretty regularly, unfortunately. Um, but when you try to approach something with with reason and logic and my rights, and I deserved for you to be here to heal my brother, and and yeah, sure, he's going to raise at the end of time, but you weren't here, so you ruined everything. Um, I think that we have this entitlement within us that we approach difficult situations in life with a sense of disdain or, or resentment towards God or towards the situation itself, rather than allowing ourselves to just feel broken, feel sadness, feel um, the difficulty of it, right? Um, there's nothing wrong with the emotion. It's just how does it, how, what does it trigger within you? Um, and so, and what is it that, that God responded to in that scenario? Uh, not that God doesn't love Mary or doesn't love Martha. Does, not that God didn't care about her emotions, but what did Jesus do? He stayed outside. And when Mary got there, Martha wasn't there anymore. So that ended, right? That conversation they had ended, and she was gone, and she was most likely still angry. Um, so I don't know, just a very interesting sociological study in just a very short story on the different responses we can have. Another thing that, that struck me is when Jesus said, I am the resurrection. And there are many times throughout Jesus' time that he said, I am. And we look at Jesus and say, he is God, so he can say, I am. But when I say, I am, it's just, I am Matt. I am a teacher. I am whatever, you know, a son, a, a, a son-in-law, a husband, a father. I am. But I think that because we are all created in his image, we are also, I am in a godly sense. And the things that are taking place inside of us are part of the great I am. And we forget that sometimes. We see Jesus as I am, but there's also I am inside of us.
just before you tie into it, I think maybe that story explains the Peter verse, first Peter verse about he's <coughs> humble, but he resists the proud. I think maybe, I mean, that's the picture I got immediately. <coughs> I could see that proud in Martha, but the humble in Mary. And Jesus didn't ignore Martha. There's only so far he could go. You know, I, she wanted to wrestle about scripture and go to church, and he wrestled a little bit with her, and then he just kind of had, but Mary, he broke with her. He broke down, he wept. I, there's something about the realness of God that comes when I'm real with him. As he was talking, the thing that came up in my mind was that I am could be started, you know, I am mad, I am happy, I am this or that. Could be I choose. We all have feelings. It's what we choose to do with those feelings when we start having them that creates the consequence that comes with the choice. Every choice has a consequence, both good and bad. Consequences aren't always bad, okay? but it's what we choose to do with it that affects us and those around us. It's a matter of choice. Yeah, turn that off for me. Yeah, the quality of my mic changes when we turn that one off in between conversations, so thanks for doing that. Uh, as it makes its way around, is it, is it possible though that sometimes we're too quick in, in trouble, in difficulty and whatever, to want to get it resolved or to resolve it for somebody? I'm just saying, I completely agree. It, 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 ultimately, it's a choice even to stay in it. But, but boy, for some, some people, things have gone on for months and years. And the pat answer of, well, you just need to make a decision to get out of that. You just need to choose to think. To, there's a yes to that, but then there's a hmm. I wonder if I need to walk with them in this instead of offering the solution. So I say yes, and I, 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 I want to make an addendum to that and ask you to consider whether sometimes we're too quick. So all of that speaks to the thoughts I've been having. So years and years ago, <coughs> one of a big traumatic event happened that was difficult to change, especially since it kept on going. And um, I got an illustration I, about all of it. You know, with, <clears throat> if you fall and you scrape your knee, you get up and dust it off, maybe put a little Bactine on it and a Band-Aid and you keep on going. On the other hand, if you have a heart attack or you're having to do kidney dialysis or you have to go to the hospital, you have bad COVID and they're putting, intubating you, you can't do a thing for yourself, at least not for a while. And somebody else has got to do it for you, the nurses, the doctors. And we see that physically, and we all can say, yes, we can get that physically. But that's what happens emotionally. Sometimes we fall and scrape our knee, and it's no real big deal, and we dust it off. And 
pray a prayer. I'm being a little facetious, but you know, you pray a little bit and you move right on. Other times your emotional thing that happened is so huge, you can't think straight. You can't feel straight. Practicality doesn't matter. And somebody else has to step in and pray for you and support you and hold you up. You know, Galatians 6 says about carrying each other's burdens. Romans 12 about weeping with those who weep. So there's that <clears throat> as in relationship to this conversation. But the other piece that I was thinking about in relationship to this is so you were, I really appreciated the uh, illustration about how that Martha, you know, started bringing up, as, as it were, scripture. Okay, well, here's what, here's this, and here's that, and here's this, and how much we have done that with people. <clears throat> so right now, I'm not talking about us to God, I'm talking about us to people. And how in our victory beliefs, we press that onto people. Well, when I'm having a hard time, I want Barb, because Barb's compassionate. <laughs> And she just listens to me. And, under, and, is, and, and whether she understands it or not, she acts understanding. And that gets me past the first steps until we can start thinking further. And so sometimes, um, it, let's say I'm the one that's with somebody who's having a hard time. And I am struggle with sometimes. Because, you know, we want to help people. We want to fix it. We want to fix it, and I'm sorry, but guys especially want to fix it, and it's because you guys are more practical and less emotional as a whole. That's not always true, but as a whole, and so you want to fix it for them, and so you quit listening, and you start telling people what to do, or I quit listening and start telling somebody, well, maybe if you did this, or maybe if you took this medicine, or you took that medicine, or whatever it is. I, I do that all the time, and since I've been sick the last three months, people are doing it back to me. And, um, and, and so I'm recognizing it even more, but it's a struggle to know when to just listen and love and pray and give them a hug and say, I'm going to hold you up, and that's about all you say. Versus it's a time to say, you know what, let's look at this scripture, and this is scripture. I don't know. How do you then make crossover without being abrasive, abusive, I mean, really, you can be abusive, even, I think, with telling somebody you need to do this. And so somewhere in there, there's, there's some drawing lines, and I'm not sure where they are. Maybe it's not a, I suppose it's not a set one, two, three. I imagine it's a person-by-person -person situation by situation thing. And where you're, while the person's talking on the inside, you're going, Lord, what do I do? You know, how do I love this person right now? What's the best way to be a blessing to them and help them be as healed as they can be? And that might just be giving them a hug. Triumphalism has a really ugly side. I struggle a little. I struggle a little bit with the uh, Mary and Martha story, because 
I think about different personalities. And your personality, the way God made you, is the way that you're going to react. Sometimes it is not, I need to think about this, because that's not part of your personality. That's not who you are. That's not who he made you to be. So I struggled hearing, Mary did it the right way. Martha did it the wrong way. And so, yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> and that very comment can be also be applied to the passage where the same two sisters uh, are being compared. It's a comparative passage even where Jesus himself draws a comparison and, and makes an inference that the way Mar Mary dealt with it was more blessed. It's the passage where Jesus actually came to their home and Martha was busy with all the details and uh, Mary just came in and sat at his feet and listened to the teaching while Martha was scurrying about trying to get dinner ready. Lazy Mary, not helping. Right. Uh, uh, Martha complained to Jesus, tell her to get in here and help. And Jesus said, Mary's actually chosen the good thing, you know, to sit and to listen. So it was somewhat of an indictment. And yet, we know exactly as you're saying that God has made both. God's put both of those types of personalities and giftings in people. And so it's an interesting thing to look at this, I, I suggest it. I don't say it's right or wrong, but I'm wondering if sometimes the feeling that we're needing, the love, the caring, the depth that's going to help bring us healing in our difficulty, our tragedy, our sickness, is better understood if we don't rush, if we're not too quick at triumphalism and trying to resolve it, if we don't quick pull out the scriptures and we allow that trouble to have its course in our being in this manner, letting God, knowing that God is in that trouble. He didn't send it, but he's in it, all right? He didn't author it, but he's, he's in it. Somehow he's, it's a mystery. Evil is a mystery. Sin is a mystery. Suffering is a mystery. We don't understand everything and it's not perfect. But I hope that something today has helped us to care more deeply about others, to maybe reconsider how quick we are to give solutions, and then to understand that God actually authored and is involved in even your feelings every bit of God is a safe person to share with I mean the, the minutest details it's safe we're going to bring our time to a close Thank you.